You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we are hitting a major milestone. This is our 60th episode of Detroit Worldwide. We knew we had to do it big. So therefore, I wanted to invite a trailblazer onto the podcast. Our guest on Detroit Worldwide this week is Orlando Arnold. And Orlando is the president and CEO of a sports agency. And the name of it is called Pyramid Sports and Entertainment Group. They have representation not only in the NFL, but also across Major League Baseball. With this being our 60th episode, we wanted to break even more ground. So I'm pleased to present our first Redford High School graduate that we've had on the podcast. That's right. I'm chopping it up with a red dog. In addition to being a fellow Redford Husky, Orlando is also a graduate of an HBCU. He attended Alabama State University and completed his communications degree. We love our HBCU graduates on Detroit Worldwide. We also love our black business owners. And to have a fellow Redford Husky on the podcast just puts icing on the cake. Now, all of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Orlando Arnold. All right, this is Detroit Worldwide. And today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing our first Redford High School graduate on the podcast. I've interviewed many people, whether they are graduates of Mumford High School, Henry Ford, Renaissance, King, Cass, Persian, Northwestern, you named it, I've interviewed them. But I'm super pumped to talk to my fellow Red Dog today. And our guest is Orlando Arnold, who is the president and CEO of a sports agency called Pyramid Sports and Entertainment Group. Again, I'm excited to chop it up with a fellow Red Dog. So, Orlando, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? Thank you for having me. You know how they say Red Dogs rule the world. You already know, man. Exactly, exactly. I appreciate you having me, man. Anytime that uh, you can you, you can talk about the crib, talk about our beloved city, and still show that love regardless of where you are, 
always relishing that opportunity. So I appreciate you for having me on. Now, all that being said, I want to connect you to our listening audience. And I was wondering if you can begin by telling them more about yourself and just all of the amazing work that you're doing. Sure. So I guess first, well, first and foremost, the people who may not know who I am, you know, who is Orlando, right? Born and raised in Detroit. Dad went to Chatsy. My mom's from Alabama, fellow HBCU graduate as well. Right after college, she moved to Detroit, met my dad. You know, kind of the rest is history. But um, graduated from Redford, enjoyed my my high school career there. Went on to play college baseball, Division One college baseball at Alabama State University, HBCU. So I'm a, I'm a proud, proud HBCU alum and supporter and advocate. And then from there, man, you know, I, I dipped off into the corporate world for a minute. I was I was in sales and negotiation and marketing, but I always had the passion for sports. I was working with sports. And then this next wave of passion, which I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit more, is I became a sports agent, you know. So had a nice little path in that speak. But um, I've only lived in three states full time, Michigan, Alabama, and now I'm in Miami, Florida. All right. Well, bro, I'm excited to dive into that story and chop it up. And another thing about Detroit Worldwide, we have a distinct honor of interviewing many HBCU graduates. So I like to think that you are also adding to that legacy as well. Now, going back to your story and let's circle to where it all began, the city of Detroit. What was your experience like growing up in the D? Oh, man, the experience was good. Experience was good. I got a little mix of private and public school, which I think molded me really well. And you don't realize sometimes how much you love Detroit until you leave Detroit. You don't realize that sense of work ethic, that hard work, that love for the city. Sometimes you don't realize it until you leave it. And you're proud to say, I'm from the D. Mm -hmm. People that are from Dallas know they can't say I'm from the D around once, right? And so growing up in Detroit was good, man. My mom and dad made sure I, I had everything that I needed. Grew up and birthed in Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church. It was good, man. It, it was good. No, thank God, no, no, no real hiccups. You know, I played sports all my life, but it was cool. It was good. It was it was a great upbringing. Work ethic was there. The love for the city was there. The passion for a major sports town was there with us having four major sports teams. And I enjoyed the schools that I attended and the lifelong friends that I met. It's great that you have this platform to really kind of even walk down memory lane, even though when you may not have the same memories. But what you have in common is, is the love for the city. No, absolutely. And speaking of memories, I know that you mentioned the sports town that exists, the rich sports history <laughs> in Detroit. So my question is to you first, when did you become introduced to sports? I think first, okay, I got about four distinct memories in my head that are kind of etched, you know, at a young age. I think in, in 89, I remember falling asleep when the bad boys won. In 89, I was seven. So that's the first time I could like really remember and it's still in my brain. And then in, I think the next year, 90, I went to training camp, the Lions training camp in Pontiac and Salisbury. And then from that point, 91, the reason I remember these is because they were around sometimes. So I remember the date. At the time, my mom was working for Mercy, one of the senior executives over there at the hospital that was on the east side. 
talk about a drive. I didn't realize how far the west side and the east side was until I got older. Like, I didn't realize, you know, going to Redford and living in Roselle Park, going all the way to the east side. And people don't realize the east side of Detroit is huge. It's bigger than some cities, right? It's, it's huge. So we were fortunate enough, like, I love Sergey Fedorov and Steve Eisman. That's Those are my guys. And so that really developed a love for hockey. Because people, when I tell people I like hockey, they're like, stop playing. You just saying that. Like, man, I'm from Detroit. Like, hockey time. Like, I really like hockey. Now, do I watch it now like I used to growing up? No. And then, of course, man, the Fab Five. Right? That's Those are my initial memories from, like, 89 to, you know, 92, between the ages of seven and, you know, whatever, I was 19 years old. That's when I, I really start to, you know, it's those memories in my brain that, you know, I talk to my nephew and my nieces about now. And, you know, when they're saying, Uncle, why you like, you know, Michigan football or, you know, you say go green or something like that. Or whatever the case is, those are some of the memories that are immediately etched and that immediately come to my mind when people, when someone asks me a question like you just did. Mm. So I know you spoke about 89 when you were seven years old, how you saw the Pistons win the championship and then some of the other dates. But what is your earliest Detroit sports memory? It actually involves me. So it wasn't a pro team. It was me on the field. My mom and dad played softball. I think I was like uh, eight months old. I was on the field throwing a ball. Mm. And the reason I remember is because, you know, you had those vague bank memories. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you hear the stories about them. And then you may see a picture and like, okay, this really did happen. This wasn't mm-hmm. a... Uh, a lie or something or just a made up fairy tale but that's that's the number one memory right there that's the instant I remember being on the softball field with my parents at about eight months old tossing the ball around mm. you know obviously it was a benefit because I was able to get college paid for <laughs> so uh, it, 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 it worked out now speaking of college and one thing that I find super fascinating about your background is the fact that you received a full baseball scholarship to go to Alabama State University, which is an HBCU. So Mm -hmm. my question is to you, what made you want to pursue your education at an HBCU? And also, what was your experience like as a student athlete? Well, you know, I tell people all the time, and I'm I'm a realist, is that my top three schools was LSU, Florida State, Miami. That's why I wanted to go. You know, I know know folks at home in the state you know, some are Michigan State fans, some are Michigan fans. You know, I'm a diehard Michigan fan. I don't really get to Michigan State, but I'm not going out of my way to root for them. But I'm a diehard Michigan fan. So I say that to say is that that's the one school up north that, that could have kept me home. And, and the reason I realized that is because, you know, watching baseball growing up on TV, you realize these guys get to play and start practicing in January. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, as I mentioned earlier, my mom is from Alabama. So anytime I would go visit my family and my cousins over the Christmas break, the weather was nice. You know, anytime they would tell me they're getting ready to go back to school and there's no snow or things of like that. So I knew immediately that I wanted to go south. And then my senior year, even, we opened up against Cooley. I was on the mound. I, I opened the day, I pitched. And as I threw the pitch, as I, I was actually throwing a curveball, a snowflake hit it. You know how snow just come out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened. And that was the nail in the coffin. I, know, I knew I was already going south, but that was the nail in the coffin for me. That was okay, yeah. So, as I stated, LSU, Florida State, Miami, those are the powerhouses. That's where I wanted to go. But then I started reassessing my options and 
you know, really was no traction on those on those opportunities. And somebody pulled me to a side and said, why not go to, you know, HBCU or at the time it's at Alabama State because we had a big population at our church. And then when I did my research, I realized that Alabama State plays in the same division as Alabama or as Michigan or as Florida State. You know, likewise with, you know, all mostly all, not mostly all the SWAC schools and the MEAC schools. And so when I saw that, I said, why not? You know, and so one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And being a student athlete at an HBCU is a different experience. It is. Mm-hmm. It's a family-oriented experience. It really prepares you for life because let's call it spade a spade. HBCUs don't have all the resources that PWIs, predominantly white institutions, have. And so if you can make it through an HBCU your four or five years or six years if you're a dual program, you should be really, really set up and prepared to make it through life. Because all the resources aren't automatically there in HBCUs. But what it does teach you is accountability. It teaches you how to make stuff happen. And it teaches you to never forget where you come from, that family atmosphere. And, you know, I I, I looked at Alabama State and I looked at Southern and Alabama State was just the right fit. You know, I think Coach Larry Watkins to this day, when I see him, when I go back from homecoming, you brought a kid down here from Detroit. And uh, it, it, it forever changed the course of my life. And so, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a strong HBCU advocate. You know, my wife is, went to FAMU, so she's she our household is dual in that respect. But yeah, I, I don't know where I would be if I if I wasn't an HBCU graduate. That's great to hear, man. And shout out to you for taking that leap of faith. Now, after completing your degree in communication, what does success look like for you during this time of your life? Oh, man, success, uh, success was not having to go to school. <laughs> I mean, honestly, success was, you know, I was 22 when I graduated. Yeah, 22 when I graduated. That was the first time in 22 years, you know, or 18 years that come August and September, I didn't have to wake up and go to a class. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't I didn't have to worry about, you know, thinking and education and all that. Success for me was just enjoying taking a break. Now, obviously, I took one year off and went back and got my MBA, which is a great opportunity and a blessing. But man, success, that success was really, oh, man, just enjoying being a 22 year old. And, and I was working. I was actually managing a restaurant. You know, I, I had worked up, you know, after baseball was over, I got a job, served tables. Obviously, I'm a people person, a great personality. It's my first time serving and worked my way up the chain in a few months to be shift leader and lead bartender, et cetera. So I was making money. I was working, right? But I didn't have classes, man. That's what success was. You know, I, at that time, I tell people now, now, I'm a sports agent now, but I tell people all the time, I wish I knew back then at 22 and 23 what I know now. But I also followed that sentence to say, but there's a reason God put me on the path that he put me on. So I'm I'm fine with where I'm at and how I got here. But yeah, back then, I didn't know I wanted to do what I'm doing now. I didn't even know that I wanted to go into sales, which I went into shortly after. You know, I didn't even know I liked sales as a category in the career. So yeah, man, that's, that's kind of what success looked like. Just having a little fun. Okay. Now, another fascinating thing about your background, which you kind of alluded to, is that for many years, you had a successful career in corporate America. 
but then you kind of shifted and you went over to become a sports agent. So what prompted you to switch careers and then go over into sports agency? Well, I'm still using the same skill set, right? I'm still, you know, when I have an NFL client and, and I need to talk to a team about him in the pre-draft process, you know, I'm, I'm selling him, so to speak, right? I still have to reach out to various brands and companies uh, about contractual dollars and endorsements and marketing, right? So I, I'm still building a market for my clients, just like I built a market when I was in hospitality or when I was in pharmaceutical sales, I was building a market for whatever drug was in my bag, right? So the skills get to still the same. It's the industry that's different. And for people that know me know that I never really left the, 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 the arena of sports. So even though I, I, I stopped playing, I hurt my shoulder my senior year, stopped playing, my career was over, I still was in and around sports. And then shortly after, I became uh, one of Major League Baseball's youth directors for the RBI program for Alabama, for the state. That kind of started getting me back into it. And then, you know, you don't really realize how many people are from a certain area that are in the league. So, you know, Montgomery, Alabama, that river region area, there's a lot of people that's pro baseball, pro football, et cetera, et cetera. And I just start hearing stories and people I knew already too, like, you know, about how their representation wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Or the communication level from there and their agent wasn't what they expected to be or wanted it to be. And I just started saying, really, is, is it, should it really be like that? And so I felt there was a, it was a need for another level of care. And there's some great people out there, but I just felt like it was my time to, to take that next step. And, you know, when I look at the two things I love the most, the art of selling and, and working with someone and helping them off the field or helping their career in sports, you merge the two and you have a sports agent. Okay. Now, you sort of venturing into this new career, you've also been able to go into another field, which is entrepreneurship. So my question is, could you tell us more about uh, Pyramid Sports and Entertainment Group and what inspired you to create it? You know, that's a good question. People ask me that all the time. They say, why didn't you just, you know, you're smart enough, you're talented enough. Why didn't you just go with a firm? Why didn't you just try to work with somebody else? And the question I have to that is, is I was tired of working for someone else. You know, I always have had the entrepreneurial mindset. Even back in college, I used to do little events and, and host them and raise money for, you know, fundraising efforts and things of that. But I was just tired of working for somebody else. So I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this my way. And, you know, I had mentors and still talked to them and they told me that, you know, it's going to take you a little longer, but go ahead and do it that way because that's the way I would do it. And so you get to that point. So now we're at Pyramid and what do we do? What do we do? We're a full service sports agency. When I say full service means we, we're hands on, on and off the field with our clients, both our clients in Major League Baseball, both our clients in the National Football League and a few uh, media and coaching clients as well. We deal with everything for them. Contractual negotiation, marketing endorsement negotiation. We recommend and give them advice on any off the field and ancillary services. If my client needs me to pull up in the city because they got an issue, I'm hopping on the flight and I'm there. You know, we're not hands off. And it's purposeful that way. Because one of the main reasons why I thought that there was a need for Pyramid Sports and Entertainment Group and what I and, and people at our company stand for is why we don't ever want to not be hands off. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that is who we are and, and what we do, and we just we just work to support our clients in any and every facet. 
But yeah, I have a guy with the Arizona Cardinals running back who actually came out of Central Michigan last year. Another uh, free agent, NFL client who was coming out of Morehouse, one of the first to come out of Morehouse in, in some long time. And then currently I have about uh, eight MLB clients in various organizations uh, ranging from the Braves to the Orioles to the White Sox to the Cubs, the A's, and a, and a few others. So I love it, man. Love it each and every day and um, looking forward to the growth. I'm looking forward to the growth too, man. And shout out to you for all that you're doing. Now, just in talking to you and just learning how you've been able to adjust and pivot, what advice would you give to people who want to move forward and pursue their dreams, especially if they're like in a career that isn't necessarily giving them happiness or they're just somebody that just wants to just move forward and follow their passion? What advice would you give? First thing I would do is I would say pray about it. That's number one. Right. Once you do that and you feel like you, you've heard the word and what you need to hear, I would get you a mentor because you don't know what you don't know. Unless this is a field that you've already been an expert in and you're just branching off doing ancillary and individual services in the same field that you're an expert in. But still, business wise, you, it may be a few things you don't know what you don't know. So I would say get a mentor, ask a lot of questions. Also, I would I would look and find out how you can streamline things. Right. Find out, you know, how much money, how much overhead you're going to need. Because when you're running a business, it, the people say all the time, it takes money to make money. That is very, very true. It does take money to make money. And so research your competitors and or, or, or the industry that you're going in, the arena. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to cold call people for advice, meaning you may not know them, but you meet them on LinkedIn, you meet them on Instagram. You meet them on Twitter. However you meet somebody, you know, this is a different age than than we were growing up, you know, in the, in the late 80s and early 90s where social media is the library now. Social media is uh, church revival and, and not in the sense of the church, but in terms of where we used to meet people, right? And so don't be afraid if somebody, you know, cold calls you or you cold call them. You don't know. There are plenty of things to do research on people and, and, and fact check them to make sure they are who they say they are. But those are some of the things I would do. Uh, I would research. I would get a mentor. I would look at the finances. I would do whatever your job is now. If you have a job or career, I would do that as long as you possibly can while you're building your business. Unless you have a great investment where you can afford to just leave your job. I would do that to you possibly because that way you just kind of like you're not pulling all your your resource into your entrepreneurship as you're building it. You're able to remain stable. Those are some of the things that I, that I would do. Sound advice, and I hope people are taking notes and paying attention to what Orlando said because he definitely dropped a lot of wisdom there. Now, we are heading into the home stretch and do want to switch gears a little bit. And this is the next segment of the podcast where we talk about music. So everybody who comes on Detroit Worldwide, I ask them this following question. If they had to identify a song in their opinion that best represents the trait, would that song be? Orlando, I am curious to hear your response. Hit me. Oh, man. You know, it's a couple. It's a couple. So, it's, I forget the name of it. It's, it's one song on Big Sean's Detroit mixtape. I think it's track six or seven. It's like, I woke up. It, 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 that's one. But, honestly... When I think about Detroit sometimes, you know, T Grizzly's first day out, you know, 
for whatever reason, Detroit, I mean, I know why Detroit loves Jeezy. I love Jeezy. And Jeezy loves Detroit. But geeked up, you just think that you at the crib on Belle Isle when that plays. Even though it's not a Detroit song, we just, it has a Detroit vibe and a Detroit feel. You know, M is M, you know, but uh, it's that one song of his that really just says, you know, it, well, maybe the one him and Trick Trick, but it's like, yeah, what up, Detroit? But Detroit City is actually the name of the one the Lions to come out to. Yep. But I don't really have, like, I don't really have, like, one song that I put on and it makes me feel like I'm from the crib. Like, I have a, two or three songs that I may put on and I get that feeling like I'm back in high school or I'm just reminded of how hard the people at the city work or what our city really stands for. The grit, the work ethic, the grind, you know, the hustling spirit. Listen, you take my wife to tell you, every person she's met from Detroit, even myself, when she was at FAMU and now, she's like, some about y'all, they put in that water. <laughs> Everybody I know from Detroit is like, a, is a is a go-getter, a grinder, hustler. And so, and hustling a good way, you know? And so, I don't really have one single song. I have like a collage of songs that, when I'm doing my Saturday morning cleanup, I got Detroit mix, you know, and I just, I hit play. And so, I mean, you know, I throw Godzilla on every now and then, see if I can still jit, who knows? <laughs> hey man, well you named some some good songs, man. I mean, Jeezy has been used very frequently on this podcast. It's something about Jeezy and the D, man. He can always get a check coming to the D. It's because he put on for the D hard early in his career. I mean, just as hard as Drake puts on for Houston, Jeezy puts on for Detroit. It's it's just the same way, if not harder. But but Drake does put on for Houston. Heavy. Oh yeah. But but Jeezy is is synonymous with Detroit. Like Jeezy is like our adopted hometown artist. No, seriously, right? he he is, man. He is, and like I said, he's been used very frequently for people just giving us songs out. So much respect there, bro. So, what's next for both you and your company, and how can we as a community best support the work that you're doing? So, what's next is we have the 2021 MLB and NFL Draft. That's the media future. Got some clients and those, and uh, looking forward to some good opportunities there, right? In the secondary future, what's next is just continuing to grow, just continuing to grow, continuing to ascend up that agency profile. You know, and it's solidifying ourselves in the sports agency world as a known commodity. That is our next plan. You know, I think what can the community do to support the company is, I mean, simply word of mouth. Nobody knows what you're doing, right? I mean, you could have a son in a few years that plays baseball and it could be a draft pick. You may not, before we talk, you may not know that high school kids can have agents in baseball. They're their advisors, but it's the same thing. And so I think the biggest thing the community could do is, you know, whether you follow me on Instagram at 08 the agent or Pyramid Sports Group, the company page. My name is my name on Facebook, Orlando Arnold, you know, LinkedIn. But more importantly, spreading the word, right? It's a, you know, a, a black owned business, a black entrepreneur, a Detroit native, right? It's a lot of kids that come out of D and go to these Division One colleges to play football. Trust me, I got a whole list of, right? And same thing about other athletes and baseball and that. So when you know you have a hometown originated company or a hometown person that's the head of the company and the co-founders from Detroit as well. So, you know, 
we know what what our native Detroiters go through and grind and what they're looking for, they aspire for. So the biggest thing the community can do to support us is is know about us and know what we do, and then continue to spread that word. You know, that's the biggest thing that that can be done. So for sure. So when the opportunity happens, it's like that's the agent that's from Detroit. Boom, 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 boom. There's an agency. I know he's not here. But I think there's a, a there's an NFL agent or MLB agent that's from Detroit. I heard a podcast, or I saw an article about it, or I saw somebody ret- retweet some. You know, that's the biggest thing the community can do is is know about us, and then when you support us, when you talk about us and spread the positivity. For sure, we'll make sure we do that. I know earlier you shouted out some of your social medias, but maybe you can shout those out again. How people can get in contact with you in the social media space? Sure, sure, sure. So. Facebook is my name, Orlando Arnold, O-R-L-A-N-D-O-A-R-N-O-L-D. LinkedIn is the same thing. What's next? Twitter is at O-A, the agent. So O-A-T-H-E-A-G-E-N-T. Same thing on Instagram. And then the company pages on Instagram is at Pyramid Sports Group. And then my Twitter is a little funny. Twitter is Pyramid Sports Group. So P-Y-R-M-D. Sports is spelled out S T O R T S G R P. So that's the Twitter one. And then obviously, you can go to our website www.pyramidsportsgroup.com. P Y R A M I D S P O R T S G R O U P.com. All right, for sure. We'll make sure we get all that in the show notes. All right, as we wrap up, final question I have for you, Orlando. And that question is simple. And that question is. What does Detroit mean to you? Everything. Everything. I never forget where I come from. I still have a Detroit phone number. I just changed my ID only because I live in Miami now. I had a Michigan ID all through college, all through living in in Alabama those 17 years. Detroit means everything to me. I can be no prouder when somebody finds out I'm from the D. You know, it's Detroit is who I am. Point blank and period. Mm. I don't think I could have said any better myself. Orlando, Arnold, Red Dog, Orlando, Arnold, man. Thank you so much, bro. You class of 2000, I'm class of 2002. So this is just good to chop it up with you, man. Super proud of what you're doing, bro. Much respect. And thank you for joining us on Detroit Worldwide. I appreciate you having me. And uh, look forward to everything, all the success that you're doing with this platform. And want to make sure more native Detroiters know about it and we'll, we'll continue to spearhead all your efforts in that aspect so appreciate you having me as always what up though oh yeah for sure for sure all right well on behalf of orlando arnold i am marquise taylor this is detroit worldwide and we will both holler at you on the other side peace loving what you're hearing then feel free to leave us feedback feedback can be posted online when listening to apple Podcasts. and while you're there feel free to leave a review as well. You can also find us on the gram at Detroit Worldwide Podcast and on Twitter at Detroit World Pod. This platform would not exist without your support. I thank you.